This teaching is from City Church Coventry. You can find us online at www.citychurchcoventry.org. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Some powerful uh, verses there for us from Romans 8. And I want to talk this morning about hope. I'm sure you saw that that word mentioned in there a few times. Uh, Roger Aubrey was with us back in, I think, September and October on two occasions talking about hope. I really encourage you to go back and have a another listen because th- those sessions were excellent. Um, and I've been thinking about hope and, and, and I want to talk about hope in the next few weeks. I, I, I believe that our world more than ever needs hope. And um, there's a phrase that we read in there, in this hope we were saved, in this hope we were saved. It describes, Paul's describing here really uh, um, the precarious nature of the world, the, 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 the decay of the world, the, the world just crying out to God for liberty. Um, but he then brings in this idea of hope that right from the beginning, Right from the beginning, when corruption first entered into the world, God brought hope. He spoke a word that brought hope that said, one day this will be over. One day suffering will be over. One day the effects of sin and death will be over. That's the great hope that we have. Of course, it's been realized already in Christ. And because it is in this hope, in this hope that God is turning things around, that God is changing, that God is liberating people from sin and death. In that hope, we were saved. And I love the way that it uses the preposition in. In this hope, we're saved in hope, not with hope or by hope or through hope, but in hope. It makes it feel like hope is a place. It's a location. It's a state of being in hope. And hope put simply, is living with a firm expectation of better things to come. And hope can be founded on many things. At the moment, you can have a natural hope that the lockdown will end once enough people have been vaccinated and a virus is brought under control. And that's a legitimate hope to have. But depending on what the basis of your hope is really determines how confident you can be in your expectation. And as believers, the hope that we are in, the state of being of hope that we're in, 
is in the work of Jesus Christ. And there is nothing more certain in the world than that Jesus came, laid down his life as a sacrifice, paid the price of sin and death and rose in new life to make us the offer of the free gift of eternal life. I've been thinking again and looking back at some of the ways that I've talked about hope before. And I slightly uh, polished up a definition of hope that I uh, came up with a while ago this week. And I've, I've kind of changed it a little bit, filled it out maybe. Uh, how about this for a definition of hope? Hope is the vision of the future produced by the spirit infused imagination in the light of the promises of God and the finished work of Christ. Hope is the vision of the future produced by the spirit-infused imagination in the light of the promises of God and the finished work of Christ. You know, if we want to grow in hope, then we need to meditate on the promises of God. We need to meditate on the work that Jesus has finished. He said, didn't he, his final words on the cross, it is finished. And there are so many other things that we can give our mind to. There are so many other things that are drawing our attention. But if we want to feed this sense of being in a state of, of, of being in hope, then use the, 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 the spirit infused imagination that we have. We have the mind of Christ. We're being transformed. The Holy Spirit is transforming us by the renewing of your mind, teaching us to think like Jesus. Use that imagination. And, and and allow it to consider what our, our future will be like in the light of all that God has promised and the fact that Jesus has finished his work, not only of salvation, but of reconciling all things in heaven and earth to the Father. And there's great comfort in having hope, and we need comfort right now. We need comfort. We need encouragement. And, and, and we can choose that by what we give our attention to and what we put, put our thought to of, of, of where we go. And, uh, you know, I've been guilty of this. I, I'm, 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 I'm looking at media outlets. I'm catching up with the news. I'm looking at opinion on Twitter. Um, and, and, and I can easily allow what fills my mind to be things that are, uh, are not necessarily wrong, but they're not things that are hopeful. They're not things that are going to give me hope. And I'm not talking about avoiding reality, because that there is no hope in falsehood. There is no hope in in um, in wishful thinking. Um, but I'm talking about turning our attention, turning my attention to the greater reality, the greater reality of what Christ has achieved and what God has promised, and that every promise of God to you and to me is yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And as I've been looking through the word at, at hope, I've realized that hope is not just a state of being, but hope, it's not just an attitude. It is a place from which we can act in hopeful ways. We can respond in certain ways. When we have this, uh, this, this, um, uh, when, when our lives are framed in a hopeful way because of our attention being on Jesus and not first and foremost on the things that are going around us. You know, when you turn your attention to Jesus, you are never, uh, uh, it's not escapism. It's, it's causing ourselves to live 
by a higher reality. It's giving our attention to a greater truth. And uh, there are some there's some interesting illustrations of that around hope. Uh, and the first one, if you if you're following in your Bible, turn to Romans four, um, because this actually gives us an insight into how you can hope your hope can be based on different things. I want to share with you four things, four responses or four overflows or four ways of acting that naturally flow from being in a place of hope and having our hope in Jesus Christ. And in Romans 4.18, it's talking about Abraham and it's talking about the point before God had fulfilled the promise to him of giving him a son and Abraham's attitude. And it says this about it, about him. In hope, Abraham believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so so shall your offspring be. Uh, some translations use the phrase he hoped against hope. And I and I for a long time, I thought, well, what does that mean? How can you hope against hope? And I realized what it meant for uh, Abraham is that there were there were different foundations upon which he could base his hope. Um, he could base his hope. So the promise of God is uh, you're going to be the father of many nations. And. Um, Abraham, by this point, was an old man. I think he was kind of 99 years old, maybe. I, I haven't double-checked that before, but from memory, I think. He was an old man. His wife was an old lady. Um, and uh, there, was a, there was a promise of God that you are going to have a child. And uh, he tried to make that happen himself with, uh, with Hagar, um, Sarah's uh, maid, and that led to Ishmael, but Ishmael wasn't the son of promise. And I don't know. I don't know whether Abraham was there and he was looking and he was thinking, well, how is this going to happen? He looks at himself and he goes, well, I'm 99. My wife is 90 or so. That's there's not a lot of natural promise there. Now, let's see what you know, what, what on the plus side, I'm, I'm a man and she's a woman. That's a basic requirement. But. And it says, isn't it, he considered his body as good as dead. Um, I, I'm glad I'm not the only one that, that kind of sometimes uh, <laughs> has a uh, low expectations of myself. Um, but, you know, that didn't produce much hope. Maybe he mustered up about, you know, a couple of inches of, of hope on the, on the hope scale. Um, but then he considered the one who had made the promise. Not just what the promise was, but the one who had made the promise. That's where faith comes from. Faith doesn't, is, we don't have faith in a word. We don't have faith in a promise. We have faith in the person that said it. What can this person achieve? And of course, it was God that had spoken. So it says in hope, Abraham believed. And here's the first thing that hope produces in us. It produces faith. It's a foundation for faith. In hope, Abraham believed. And when we choose to frame our lives and frame our expectation based on what God has said and what Jesus has achieved, the finished work of Christ and the promises of God, we will find that hope leads us to believing. It leads us to a place of faith. The second thing and I want to go through these because four points is a lot of points for, for me for one of the, for our, one of our live streams. I, I don't want to uh, take up too much time. The second thing is we find in one Corinthians in, in sorry Colossians one twenty seven. 
I'm going to read you uh, actually from verse 26 to 28 from the New Testament for everyone. That's N.T. Wright's translation. And it says that it says here in Colossians one, this word declares the mystery. That's the gospel. This word declares the mystery that was kept secret from past ages and generations, but has now been revealed to God's holy people. God's intention was to make known to them just what rich glory this mystery contains out there among the nations. And this is the key. The king or Christ living within you as the hope of glory. He is the one we're proclaiming. We're instructing everybody and teaching everybody in every kind of wisdom so that we can present everybody grown up complete in Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The reason I've used this translation is that it ties, I think, more clearly than some of the other translations, the hope of glory, Christ in you, the hope of glory, with a compulsion to proclaim who Jesus is. And this is what hope will do. This is what the hope of glory in you will do. It will cause you to preach the gospel. It will cause you to want to proclaim who Jesus is. You know, Paul is speaking for himself. You know, I'm, I'm proclaiming this in all the world. But he's saying to the to the people listening to him as well. You know, when you realize afresh that Christ in you, the hope of glory. If we just take that that phrase in isolation, which we often do, it can lead to a fairly kind of personal and insular expectation one day. I, you know, because Christ is in me, one day I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to experience glory. But Paul is saying, because, because with God, if God has said it, the hope, it's as, it's almost as good as having it. It's, you know, it's a certainty. It's a certainty. I know that one day I will experience the glory of God. I know that one day I will, I will be glorified. I know that one day I will live in the glorious presence of God. And you know what? That, that firm expectation, that confident expectation of a brighter future, there is nothing brighter than the glory of God, should lead us and does when we when we allow ourselves to reflect and think and meditate on it. It allows us and causes us to overflow in proclaiming the truth of the gospel. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And so the hope of glory that's in you is also the hope for the world. We got that in Romans 8, didn't we? You know, that, that creation is longing for the revealing of the sons of God because creation, the whole of creation somehow knows that its only hope is in the sons and daughters of God coming into their full experience of the glory of God. That's, that's, that's gonna, that, when that happens, it will be the point at which sin and death is finally, its effects are removed. Uh, from the creation. And so the hope that is already in you is the hope that the world needs. Bring this down to a personal level. The people, your neighbours, your workmates, your family, uh, the people that you interact with, albeit at the moment a lot of it is is online, they, they are often without any hope. Ephesians 2 says that outside of Christ we were without hope in this world. Without hope in this world. But Christ is in you, the hope of glory. You have a hope that the world doesn't have, but you have a hope that the world is longing for. And God has given you the ability to share that hope because our hope very simply is Jesus. Our hope 
Um, you know, I think we sang it, didn't we, in that song, My Hope is Built in noth- on Nothing Less Than, than Jesus' uh, Blood and Righteousness. That's the foundation of our hope. That's the foundation of the gospel. And when we realize the hope we have in Christ, our, 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 our hopeful expectation, our certainty that the future is better, not based on anything other than what Christ has achieved. That's the hope the world needs because that hope transcends all other hopes. And so in hope, we proclaim. In hope, we believe. In hope, we proclaim. Next scripture for us, 1 John 3, verses 1 to 3. See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. If we have this hope, and this hope here again, it's pushing us forward into the future of of of, you know, we are now God's children and what we will be hasn't yet been revealed. And being in hope for us as believers is being in this space between I know I'm a child of God and I know that I will become something even more glorious because ultimately I will be like Jesus. And that is a very hopeful space to live in. That's a very hopeful place to make your home. I'm a child of God and I'm going to be one day just like Jesus. Wow. How can, how can, when we, if we really comprehend that, it's very difficult to stay discouraged for too long. I'm a child of God. What kind of a love is it that the that God would call us his children? And that is what we are. It's not just a label he puts on us. It's a reality. I'm a child of God now and I'm becoming more and more like Jesus. And one day I'll be just like him for I will see him as he is. That's a very hopeful place to live. And then John says this, whoever has this hope does something with it. He purifies himself. And you and I know that we don't have any ability within ourselves to purify ourselves any more than we had any ability within ourselves to save ourselves. What he means there, just like when Peter says to the crowd, save yourselves from this corrupt generation, he doesn't mean they have the ability to to, to save, you know, to, to get salvation for themselves. What it's it's an invitation to collaborate and cooperate and submit to the work of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is working in us now to purify us, this work of sanctification. And so it means cooperate. When he says purify yourself, what he's saying is cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Practice saying yes, Lord, to the Holy Spirit. What what does Paul say in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17? Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the the Lord is the Spirit. Getting to a place of freedom is predicated upon uh, your calling the Holy Spirit Lord. 
When you say, Holy Spirit, you are Lord, I, I will be led by you. I will be shaped by you. I yield to you. You are the one that leads me. Was it? I think Yongi Cho wrote a book many, many years ago called The Holy Spirit, My Senior Partner. And um, uh, that, you know, got the, the, the work. We work with the Holy Spirit in partnership, in fellowship, in koinonia, the fellowship of the spirit. But he's the senior partner. He's the Lord. He's the one that leads. He's the one that determines. And we yield to that. And when we do that, we find we are purifying ourselves. And when we yield to the Lordship of the Holy Spirit, freedom comes. Freedom, whatever you need freedom from. Maybe it's freedom from fear and worry. Maybe it's freedom from sickness. Maybe you're unwell. Maybe family members are unwell. Maybe it's pressure. Um, you know, God can supernaturally um, increase your physical capacity. I'll give you an example of this. Jesus, when he's at the well of Samaria, he is tired, hungry and exhausted and thirsty. And he then has this encounter with the Samaritan woman. He doesn't get anything to drink. He doesn't get anything to eat. It's the hottest part of the day. And when the disciples come back, they think he looks like, you know, someone must have fed him. Someone must have given him something to drink. Somebody, you know, he, he looks refreshed. He looks revived. And he said, well, it's because I have food to eat that you know nothing about. There is a, there is a, there is a, a, a divine potential to, for us to draw, even, even in the, the most difficult times. Uh, and, and for those of you that are working in pressured situations right now, maybe you're, you're on a break or you've, you've, you've been working on the front line of healthcare doctors, nurses, there's a physical pressure, it's demanding, um, it can break people. But right now in the name of Jesus, I want to say to you, receive and eat of the food that this world cannot give that comes in Jesus Christ, comes from Jesus Christ. Because we have a higher hope, we have a greater reality that we can live by. And that greater reality isn't just something that affects our minds or our hearts. It can even affect our bodies. It can even, it can even, uh, over, um, it, it, it can, it can take the place of sleep. It can take the place of food. It can be a divine refreshing. And I speak that right now, divine refreshing and strengthening in Jesus name to your physical bodies, to your natural mind for all those that need it in the name of Jesus. <laughs> that's freedom that's freedom where nothing of this world can determine how i live but only the truth of the promises of god and the finished work of jesus final one we're going to go back to romans 8 and read the next verse sorry i should have had this verse added to the reading at the beginning but we're going to read romans eight twenty six where Paul says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And uh, this is the third time Paul's mentioned groaning here. He's talked about the creation groaning, <coughs> longing for its liberty. It's he's talked about us uh, groaning, looking to bring forth new life. And now he says the spirit uh, leads us in, in groaning. Um, you know, a groan, when you, you groan when you feel something deeply but don't know how to put it into words. That's what a groan is. You feel it deeply. You don't know, you don't know how to put it into words. Um, 
And isn't it amazing to know that the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, he groans. He groans with us. And in this expression here of prayer, um, the Holy Spirit comes and he he joins with our groaning. And our groaning is a, a reflection of the groaning of the world. Prayer, this kind of prayer, this deep groaning prayer is um, a co-laboring with the Spirit. It's working with the Holy Spirit to bring about what God intends. It's prayer that identifies with the state of creation, identifies with what the world around us is like. And, and you know, just like God comes and says, I feel what you feel. The Holy Spirit allows us to feel, to experience even what the world is experiencing. But this prayer isn't a prayer of desperation or frustration or 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 of a, a prayer of a, an impotent prayer just because we don't know how to put it into words doesn't make it an impotent prayer because it is a prayer we groan for the for the for the coming of the of 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 of, our, of, of the redemption of our bodies of the new creation and this prayer leads us towards that and this prayer comes from being in a place of hope. It's only people who have a hope who can pray prayers that actually bring redemption, that actually bring release, that actually bring uh, uh, relief to the world around them when we pray from a place of hope. And so we can have our, our hope, our firm expectation, and at the same time feel. And, and I really want to, as, as I prayed in our prayer time earlier, I want to encourage you to be laboring in prayer, in groaning prayer for the world around us. Don't shut it off. Don't dismiss it. Don't respond to it in a merely natural way, but realize that actually that feeling that is within you that actually makes you almost go, oh, that's the Holy Spirit interceding for us with groanings too deep for words. And, you know, often when we engage with that, he begins to give us more insight so that we can pray with some understanding. But it's also a great time just to pray in the spirit, to pray in tongues and just allow the, the, the groan of the world around you to become the groan of your heart and the Holy Spirit to express that in a prayer out of you, whether it's in English, whether it's in tongues, whether it's just in in noises, and I'm not big into kind of you know weird noises in church, but in your you know your own private place where um, you feel free. What, how, however, that expression comes. But you know, it's a, not a prayer of it's it's not a hopeless prayer. It's actually a, a prayer that can only be prayed from a place of hope. So my encouragement to you today is: let hope frame our attitudes, our responses, and our actions. Let hope lead us to believe. Let hope lead us to proclaim. Let hope lead us to purify ourselves and yield to the Holy Spirit. And let hope lead us to pray prayers that will bring the liberation, the freedom of God to the world around us. And by doing so, we're bringing hope, the hope that's in us, to the world around us that so desperately needs it. Amen. I'm just going to I'm just going to pray.
Lord, let that spirit founded in hope, but knowing the burden of the world and able to express it in powerful, transformative prayer. Rest upon us now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this teaching from City Church Coventry. You can find more great teaching and other resources on our website at www.citychurchcoventry.org.